on this episode of The James Quandall Show. How does astaxanthin potentiate that? Because there, we've seen in preclinical studies that it does, in fact, help to support and improve adult hippocampal neurogenesis in rodent models. What is that? That's, if any researchers out there are listening, let's do this. Let's find out more. <laughs> Astoreal is the world's leading producer and innovator of natural astaxanthin. Their natural astaxanthin is cultivated, grown, and harvested in their manufacturing facility in Moses Lake, Washington. As the global demand for natural astaxanthin continues to grow, Astoreal continues to be fully dedicated to ensuring the supply of premium natural astaxanthin products. Today's guest is Karen Hecht, the Scientific Affairs Manager at Astoreal. Karen holds a PhD in molecular biology from the University of Pittsburgh and an honors Bachelor of Science in Biochemistry from the University of Toronto. All right, so we're recording, and we're here at Expo East, and I'm here with Karen, and we've been uh, kind of talking about astaxanthin, which is hard to say. I would say that's uh, actually probably one of the more difficult things for people to pr- pronounce in the nutritional supplement space. What's interesting, what, what I think a lot of people don't know, is that this compound is what makes fish red, right? right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So, you know, it has this X in the name that's pronounced as a Z that immediately throws people off. I think they see the X as soon as they are introduced coming into the word, seeing it written down, and they just like, all they can think about is that X. So I'll just help you out. It's astaxanthin. Astaxanthin. So you just take that X, turn it into a Z, and you're ready to roll. And that's how in North America we pronounce it. You will find other pronunciations, I will say, in other parts of the world. Um, where they are more faithful to the X sound, and it's different, but I won't confuse you with that. Um, But yes, you're right. So astaxanthin is actually found in our diet, and it's a carotenoid. So some of its cousin carotenoids you may be more familiar with are beta-carotene from carrots, lutein zeaxanthin from leafy greens, and we do have about 50 carotenoids in our diet, and most of them by far are from fruits and vegetables, but astaxanthin is not found in fruits and vegetables. So where can you get it naturally then? So you would find astaxanthin in red colored seafoods. So if you're thinking about you know, lobster, prawn, crab, salmon, and of course the best source in our diet would be wild salmon because most of the astaxanthin is locked up in the shells of some of those crustaceans. So unless you're planning to eat those shells, really wild salmon is your best bet. And it's what gives salmon that distinctive red color. It's, a, it's an antioxidant and a pigment just like other carotenoids. So if you were to take the shells from your shrimp or your lobster and you were to put them in a stock pot with water and then boil that for half a day, would you be able to get some of the astaxanthin out of that? You may be able to, but I'm not sure how stable it would be through a long boiling process like that. It's relatively heat stable, but it if you leave it exposed to air for a long time, you can lose some of the benefits there. So um, the way we do it, of course, is we do not get it from animal products. It does not, when we put it into a supplement, it doesn't come from salmon or any of those sources. We actually get it from a plant-based, vegetarian, vegan-friendly source. It's from algae that we grow in Washington state. So it's a a microalgae, which means it's a single-celled green alga that's gotten really good at making astaxanthin in nature, it's kind of its natural response to high sunlight situations, which it encounters a lot in its own kind of niche environment. So where would that have been found wild in nature? 
Yeah, so in nature, you would find it. Uh, one of the most beautiful places to find it is in rain pools of the Swedish archipelago. Oh, really? Yeah. What, that would be a nice place to go and, <laughs> and, and, and test it. So I, I am curious, did the indigenous people in that area use this in some way and, and for their own personal well-being? Oh, that's a good question. You know, I'm not familiar with any uh, uses of it uh, nutritionally. I think this for us is a story really of nature-inspired nutrition that was brought to light through science and technology. So the company that I work for that makes this product, Astoreal, um, has really been studying it for the last 30 years. And we observed the production of astaxanthin in nature and how salmon use it to help their endurance and muscle function during migration runs. And we really studied it through research, you know, established the safety and efficacy studies. We have 70 human clinical studies and brought the technology. So we brought all the natural process, the way it happens inside, and we made it a really consistent, stable, high quality product using indoor cultivation techniques. So mimicking kind of the environment of out, outdoor and nature, but making it just cleaner and more nurturing to the algae so they don't have to fight off any kind of biological contaminants or variable weather and climate conditions. So just really using our technology to get the best out of the algae and help them do what they do best. Yeah, I want to talk more about that specific process, but I am curious. So the salmon and the shrimp and the lobster, these fish that we know is pink or red, actually, in, in, in many cases, where are they getting that color? Is it from what they're eating? Great question. So it depends on the animals. So salmon, like us, do not make astaxanthin themselves. So they are dependent on diet, just like we are, to accumulate astaxanthin. So mostly, you know, they would get it from krill or small crustaceans who, you know, some crustaceans like lobster can make astaxanthin with other starting carotenoid materials that they get in their diet. Um, but otherwise, you have to really build it up in your system from food. And that's what salmon do all day long as they're growing in the ocean. They're accumulating astaxanthin in their diet. They're accumulating a source of nutrients. And when they go on that migration run, they're not eating anymore. Oh, so really? Th- yeah. I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. And they're going for hundreds and hundreds oh, of miles. Yes. It's a real marathon. So f- the sockeye salmon, sockeye is some of the highest astaxanthin content in this in the salmon family. And they go from Astoria, Oregon, all the way down the, s- the Snake River in South Central Idaho. It's 900 miles, 7,000 foot elevation. We're talking 12 foot jumps over rapids. I mean, unbelievable. And this without eating anything. So the astaxanthin is there to protect their muscle function and also to protect all the fat that they've accumulated that they need for energy production to make it to their spawning ground. So they're burning a lot of that fat as energy on that voyage. So if you're a fisherman and you're or you're someone who's wanting to actually eat salmon, is it better than to get it upstream when it's full of all of those nutrients before they actually use it all on the way they're, they're down? I, I would imagine so because they're burning a lot of it on the way to the spawning ground. That's yeah. interesting. Mm-hmm. So those river salmon wouldn't be the same as catching it up in the off the coast of Alaska and before they've made that journey south and for to the spawning grounds. So what about humans? So if if you had salmon two or three times a week, would that be enough or do you need more than that? So our clinical studies show a range between two and twelve milligrams a day that you would need. Based if you were eating wild sockeye salmon 
you would need to eat about a filet every single day in order to get that same amount. So typically the average North American diet provides maybe two pounds of salmon a year. Um, that's the average according to USDA. And that would give you about 11 milligrams for the whole year. So certainly there is a gap in our diet um, that can be filled by supplementation, which is why we do what we do at Asteril is we get this plant-based astaxanthin source and we help to fill that gap in our diet so we can really benefit from this antioxidant to the fullest. Yeah, so I am curious, how does it help us if we got the recommended dosage through supplementation? How would that show up in our health? Right. Great question. So what I like to tell people is just remind you that our body is a fully integrated system. So I'm going to tell you that astaxanthin has benefits for skin and muscle and eye and brain and cardiovascular and immune. And you're going to ask me because I get asked all the time, how can it do all of these things? <laughs> and my answer will be, well, because it functions on the cellular level as an antioxidant with anti-inflammatory properties and helping mitochondrial health. Well, that's great. Well, we do talk about mitochondrial health on the podcast because it's the power plant of the cell. And if you have great mitochondrial health, it's going to trickle into every other part of your health. And there's so many ways to do that. And this is a, I have heard of astaxanthin before, and I, I still can't say it well, which is okay. I, I'm not going to beat myself up about that. But um, the benefits uh, are, are, are numerous. But what are you seeing as far as just for the average individual that starts to get their a, a daily dosage that would would meet their needs let's say it's like having a fillet a day of salmon what what do you what do they start to see happen yeah i think the thing that people start to see it's, it's the things that you can feel that we see in the studies which is people report this is not from studies this is from anecdotally from people that they're reporting that they're less sore after exercise and what we're seeing in the studies to support these testimonials is uh, in studies in soccer players we see less muscle damage from extensive training and exercise in elite soccer players at four milligrams a day and we're also seeing fewer systemic inflammation markers like serious reactive protein following extensive training and helping to maintain stable levels of immunoglobulin A, which is an, uh, an antibody that's found in our saliva that is part of the secreted immune system, secretor immune system that helps to kind of surround and exclude pathogens that we might encounter through inhalation or ingestion. It's kind of our first line of defense. So we're, when we're stressed out acutely, um, the levels of immunoglobulin A may be affected. And we have two studies, both in soccer players and in untrained individuals who are exposed to daily levels of fatigue, both mental and physical, that astaxanthin has helped to support healthy levels of this antibody in saliva. And you saw it in untrained individuals also. So it wasn't just to soccer players. Yes, that's right. So we do have a series of studies in athletes, but we also have studies in untrained individuals as well as older individuals, so 65 plus, which is really interesting. Ah, because, okay. That's interesting. Yeah, it is. What happens is, you know, our natural antioxidant capacity does decrease with age. And so we 
we tend to have a more oxidative environment. And what that does to our muscles is it makes them slightly less responsive to training and exercise. And this uh, progressive sort of age-related muscle loss is called sarcopenia. Uh, it really affects mobility and quality of life. And we have a study out of the University of Washington that was published in 2018, and a follow-up was just published in 2020, showing that astaxanthin, when combined with functional endurance and strength training in 60 individuals 65 plus actually help them improve muscle quality and strength better than exercise alone. Yeah. And it also helps them with the recovery component. So if a lot of these folks are a little bit older, they may not have been doing straight training and they're starting to see some loss in muscle density and then they start taking this and then they actually start working out and then they're not going to feel as sore and tired from that new regimen as if they would have just done it without it. So I really do see benefits. But what about their brain health? Because I know at that uh, age, brain health is extremely important. And is there any connections, even if it's anecdotally, to Alzheimer's or any of those neurodegenerative uh, conditions? Well, I would say that astaxanthin is really more for as a preventative health approach um, used as a supplement to help maintain good health and um, maintain a balance. I mean, that's that's the whole idea is you're not eliminating free radicals. We don't want to actually free radicals do have a physiological role. Um, but what we don't want is for free radicals to overwhelm the antioxidant capacity of the body and to accumulate into a state of oxidative stress. Yeah. And for the listener, we're living in an environment that is not natural. We're right now we're under fluorescent lights. We've got Wi-Fi all around us. We aren't touching the, the naked earth. We've been in this show walking around all the time, not barefoot. And we probably, at least me, I've been eating beef jerkies and drinking drinks I don't normally drink. And all these things are having stress on the body. And so uh, something that you can, you can have every day to kind of take some of that stress away and can really help you. And so why... Maybe it is, but are we seeing this product in like daily vitamins now or are people taking it as a separate uh, supplement? So I think mostly these days you'll find it as a standalone soft gel, but we are seeing more and more people combining it with other ingredients. So as I said, astaxanthin has a lot of different benefits. But to help communicate those benefits and to help get more out of them, sometimes it's nice to combine it with other ingredients that give added benefits or synergistic benefits. So one formulation that I see a lot, actually, is combining carotenoids for eye health. So lutein and zeaxanthin, which we found in a diet, are, are found in our diet in leafy greens. Those help filter out blue light in the retina in the back of the eye. And astaxanthin, because it it's, does so well for muscles, functions at the front of the eye and muscles that frame the lens that are involved in dynamic focus and that get tired when we stare at a computer screen all I, day. I know what that's like for sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we have a lot of studies that actually showing both objective and subjective improvements for eye strain, eye fatigue, and what's known as accommodation or dynamic focus, the ability to focus on near objects. That's interesting. Yeah. I spend a a lot more time than I would like to admit in front of a computer screen and my eyes get tired, they're dry. And then I also find that my, uh, my, my vision isn't as good later. I actually feel like it's impacting my vision. I think in my vision, I've always had 20, 20 vision, but I think it's been getting worse because of just staring so close at the screen. 
and then not give my, giving myself a break. But I believe it's also probably I need more help with that too. So what other interesting ways are you, are you, are you seeing this product being used? And are you, so are you actually just making the wrong greeting or are you actually creating formulas yourself as well? Right. So to answer your first question, other ways this ingredient is being used, I want to circle back because you asked me about brain health. Yeah, that's, right. that's a super interesting thing on this podcast because we are all trying to get our brains to be able to handle this onslaught of distractions and information that are coming at us. Sure. So I mentioned how astaxanthin works in the eye. But technically, the eye is kind of part of the brain. They're yeah, connected, right? Yeah, the eye is actually the, the, the back of the eye is the, is the brain. Yeah. Right, exactly. So astaxanthin is able to cross both the blood retinal barrier and the blood brain barrier. So it does have access, we see, to eye and brain. And there are studies showing that um, astaxanthin has been able to support um, reaction time as well as midterm memory and spatial reasoning. And we also see improved blood flow uh, to the brain. So I think it's really interesting. And there's a lot of that, those are from clinical studies, but in preclinical studies, there's just so much interesting stuff going on uh, looking at how exercise together with astaxanthin helps to promote brain health and memory. And I'm really looking forward to seeing people studying that more in humans as well, because we know that exercise does promote brain health and it's one of really the only the or the best like multi-system interventions that we can do is exercise and what um, kind of exercise do you think works best for that is there a specific type yeah for for with astaxanthin in particular i think the benefits are related to endurance exercise and the university of washington study that i just mentioned um, saw some benefits for fat utilization in submaximal exercise. So really at the time when you're relying more on um, fat utilization, so your mitochondria can choose sort of what type of uh, substrate am I going to use to produce energy? And they might use carbs and they might use fat and they might use protein. But the most efficient energy source where we get the most bang for our buck is fat. Um, and so when we're talking about endurance exercise, we're relying on fat and we've seen studies in cyclists um, that show astaxanthin helps to promote fat utilization for energy. Really? So those are some of the effects, you know, we're seeing endurance. It makes sense if you think back on the salmon story as well. I've discovered whether I'm playing tennis or enjoying a day full of competitive chess, that caffeine and sugar highs just don't last. You instead need something that won't spike your blood sugar and cause a crash. I avoid most pre and post-workout products because they're full of added sugar natural flavors, and other ingredients I don't approve of, and they end up making me feel worse than if I hadn't taken them at all. That's why this podcast is brought to you by UCAN. UCAN's products are made differently. Their patented superstarch ingredient has the outstanding ability to provide a steady release of energy without spiking blood sugar levels. Controlling blood sugar is the key to optimizing focus, performance, and recovery. Try UCAN's delicious chocolate peanut butter energy bar, cookies and cream energy and protein powder with 19 grams of protein per serving, or grab the ready-on-the-go Edge Pouch. These products will give you the long-lasting benefits of Superstarch to balance your blood sugar and provide long-lasting energy for your workout and your day. Because you're a listener of this podcast, you'll get 20% off your entire order by going to youcan.co slash jamesq. That's youcan.co slash jamesq. Give Youcan a try today. I'm a marketer, so I'm think I'm thinking, 
I, of ways that you could couple this product with other products that are solving these needs for these people. Um, one, one is actually a sponsor of this show, and it's UCAN. And they make a super starch product, which is a kind of a, a, a slow bleed carbohydrate um, that will, it's great for endurance athletes and, and the, it's a natural fit. So I just think there's so many ways we can just include this, but maybe the simplest is just to have a, just add it as a, as a soft gel into your, your regimen by itself. And what I'm going to do is over at quandall.com slash astereal, which is A-S-T-A-R-E-A-L. That's quandall.com slash astereal for the show notes for this episode. I'll make sure that we get these different um, studies that we're talking about, and then I'll find some products that um, would be a good fit that would have this in it that uh, you could take and and get some of these benefits yourself and then do the homework and see if it's a good fit for you. But um, what what else are you seeing? Uh, what are some of the other most common, just for, for, for regular people listening that aren't uh, Tour de France cyclists or soccer players? I know a lot of times that's how the, the studies are, are made because these people are, you know, you, there's a small change makes a big difference sometimes in, in, in their activities. But what else are you seeing for just regular folks that can, can benefit from taking this? Yeah, absolutely. Their- so we also have studies for skin health. So the concept is beauty from within, right? When you're taking someone, you're ingesting an antioxidant. We've actually seen in preclinical studies it does uh, arrive or access at all layers of the skin and as an antioxidant with anti-inflammatory properties it's helping to support skin hydration and skin barrier function smoothness and elasticity and that's really important skin is your largest organ and skin barrier function is something that's also connected to immune function and we see benefits to immune health as well there's a really interesting pre-clinical study so not yet clinical but I, I love the study I think it's so interesting you know um there's kind of this next generation gut health bacteria, healthy, friendly gut bacteria called Acromantia. And in this preclinical study, we've seen that astaxanthin helps to support levels of Acromantia in the gut. Hmm. So that's really something that's connected to your immune function. We've also seen astaxanthin supports adaptive and innate immune function by improving, this is from clinical studies, improving B and T cell proliferation, improving natural killer cell activity. So that's both adaptive and innate immune responses. And then and the, of course, the salivary immunoglobulin A story that I told you about, both in untrained and trained individuals. So I think, you know, when we talk to people, we hear uh, subjective improvements that are echoing kind of what we ask participants in our studies. They feel their skin is smoother. They feel the texture is improved. They feel less fatigue um, and they, they feel less eye strain, tired eyes, you know, and I think that improves quality of life. So it's not something that, you know, you take it. And of course, the science uh, is important to understand. But it's hard sometimes when you know you're taking something that's good for you. It's even better when you can feel it making a difference. I well, love for me, to hear that. That's what's important. It, it, <laughs> it, it's good to just actually be able to tell or see or feel something different. And, and, and it's, it's easy to know if it's working that way. But I did mention that I wanted to go back and talk more about your manufacturing process. And I am curious. I do know a little bit about how algaes are manufactured. Maybe manufactured is not the right word. Cultivated. I mean, I guess created, grown. Uh, I mean, it's really actually more like farming. In um, But can you tell me a little bit more about 
that process and how it's yours is unique. Sure. Yeah, it's fascinating. I mean, I think so conventionally, this microalgae is grown outdoors, either in open ponds, they're called raceway ponds or in closed tube systems. And um, what it's 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 a conventional but challenging, I would say, way to grow algae because you're getting really variable growth conditions. They may be competing against other microbes that want to scavenge, you know, their their uh, nutrient media. So they're competing with biological, potential biological contaminants, potentially some chemical contaminants in the air because algae really are little sponges. Whatever is in the air, whatever's in the water, they're going to absorb that. So it really matters where and how you grow the algae. So we did start out with some of these conventional methods at Astoreal, but decided that we weren't really getting the kind of quality or level that we were aiming for. And we turned everything around and brought our cultivation indoors. And how were you measuring the quality? So how did you know it wasn't what you wanted it to be? Yeah, so we're looking at astaxanthin content, astaxanthin stability. Uh, We're looking at, you know, maybe levels of certain heavy metals in the algae, um, levels of certain persistent air pollutants, all these things are things that we can test for as a measure of quality. And it's actually, uh, there's a guideline but from U.S. Pharmacopeia or USP. Uh, there's a monograph specifically for astaxanthin that outlines kind of what are the quality standards that astaxanthin should comply with in order to really be considered, you know, a healthy quality ingredient. So we are USP certified and um, we now grow our algae in a bit of a really different way which is a fully enclosed indoor photobioreactor. Yeah, that's what they were telling me, and it it sounds so cool. I don't know. It just sounds really neat. And I'm imagining something like a swimming pool size, or is it bigger than that or smaller than that? Oh, it's pretty big. (laughs) Um, I mean, the algae swim in it, so I guess it could be considered a swimming pool. But I think it's you can see some pictures on our website if you go to um, astralusa.com. And we have also a nice little video that gives you a little bit of a tour of what our Washington State facility looks like. And it just allows us to really control the the algal growth conditions so that they're really nurtured. They have all the nutrients they they need, all the light they need, all the air is HEPA filtered to remove any chemical contaminants from, um, you know, the air. Um, And and it's just a question of having people to really monitor, nurture, and get the best out of our algae so they make the most astaxanthin. And it, it sticks around. It's more stable so that when it comes down to you, you know, as someone who wants to benefit from astaxanthin, you're getting the most out of it. Yeah, that's that makes sense. And then do you continue to reuse that, that, that kind of starter culture over and over again? Or how does that work? So it starts in a lab where we kind of handpick the starting cells from a plate usually and then you grow it up in a small culture and you just grow and grow and propagate so every step of the way it's going to go through kind of this quality check make sure everything is growing well make sure the culture is still clean and healthy and um, it's a stepwise process and it's a batch process so after every harvest everything gets totally cleaned out so that when you're starting up your new cultures they're experiencing you know the cleanest possible environment so batch process is important and and are you learning as you're going through are you changing how you're doing this as you're going or have you perfected the the system for it 
I think we've been doing this for over 30 years. Yeah, I, I would that's say. That's mind blowing. I mean, I just heard, started hearing about this for the first time a couple of years ago. And then right. they told me you've been doing this for 30 years. I go, really? I didn't know this was around for that long. Well, our headquarters is in Japan. And I would say that it's very well known in APAC countries. But only now, I think, in North America are people really starting to um, be acquainted with astaxanthin. And, you know, I'm so glad because now, it's it's I mean it's time you know there's so many benefits there's so much that we know already about this nutrient so well studied um, so thanks to Astoreal that in, you know in the Asia Pacific countries are they using it for beauty are they using it for sports are they using it for both how, like how are they using it there and and I guess the reason I ask that is I'm curious what you see the next five ten years of our consumers with this product in the U.S. how do you see it going yeah great question so I think uh, you know in other parts of the world. Astaxanthin is most well known for beauty and eye health, uh, which is really interesting. And probably the most, the greatest number of studies are done on eye health. But I would say that the greatest affinity for astaxanthin has been in beauty because you can just deliver it in so many ways. So you asked me earlier, you know, what do we do? Do we provide formulations? Do we? And what I would say is we do a lot of product development. So as the pioneers of this ingredient, we want everyone to know about it. We're, we're working really hard on educating people on what astaxanthin is and making it possible for you to use it in everything. So we have, you know, all kinds of different forms. You can find it not just in soft gels like we discussed earlier, but in gummies and chocolates and drinks and and, and what about makeup products? Is it in any topical type applications? We do have topical studies, yes. So you will find cosmetic products with astaxanthin, and it helps with skin hydration. Yeah, that's really cool. So in 5, 10 years, do you see this starting to grow here? Are we starting to see more manufacturers that are interested in this ingredient and, and what have you I guess what have you seen at Expo East what have people been like asking about here yeah um, so definitely awareness has grown a lot I see a lot more interest in astaxanthin I see the beauty from within space growing tremendously and uh, we've seen interest <laughs> a lot of interest I would say in gummy delivery formats with astaxanthin That's so interesting. everybody loves gummies and everybody loves gummies. I've, 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 I've actually never had a gummy before. <laughs> really? no. I have a sample for you. You can try. Yeah. <laughs> never have. <laughs> but in addition to gummies, uh, we're seeing a lot of powder mixes, right? So people will have these on-the-go sachets. And in the beauty from within category, collagen is ubiquitous. So the question is, you know, it's just collagen plus what? You already know almost it's a given that collagen is going to be in there. And as a differentiator, astaxanthin is great with collagen because it actually helps to protect and promote um, your smoothness of skin, the, skins that pr the skin cells that produce collagen. And we have an interesting study on that. So I think people are adding that in as another layer um, to add benefits. Uh, to your collagen supplement. And just like collagen is good for skin and joint because it's a molecule that's found all over the body, it's the same thing with, you know, oxidative stress doesn't limit itself to one single part. So it's a really flexible ingredient in terms of health benefits, in terms of ways that you can access it as a supplement for sure. And are, is it being added to food in any way? Oh, so we do have some examples of uh, beverages where astaxanthin has been added. And in other parts of the world, you can find it in yogurts as oh, well. Oh, that that's interesting. Mm -hmm. Okay. So part of sort of the 
gut and immune health um, aspect. You can combine it with yogurts and certainly it's compatible with foods. We see it sort of baked into things. So you could use it in cookies or breads or you know granola bars. And we have um, chocolates oh, with yeah. astaxanthin, which who doesn't want to take that? That's a good that? idea. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so what is the best absorption? Is is it through the gut or is it in the, through the mouth or is there a, an ideal situation? Yep. Astaxanthin is absorbed in the gut and it's a fat soluble nutrient. So that means when we uh, take it as a soft gel, usually we will recommend to take it together with a meal or 30 minutes after a meal because your meal is going to prime your gut to um, secrete biles that help support and emulsify, support fat uh, absorption. So because it's a fat-soluble nutrient and a soft gel is really tiny, uh, it's good to take it with a meal. But if you're taking it as part of part of a food already, in a yogurt, in a bread, you know, you're already getting that kind of help. So it's important to understand that as a fat-soluble nutrient, you know, what does it take for your gut to really, you know, absorb the most that it can? This is really exciting. And I am curious if there's any uh, anecdotal studies that you're really excited about that maybe we didn't talk about i mean we talked about skin we talked about muscles we talked about vision we talked about immunity and we talked about healthy aging wow you hit all the buckets well done but is there anything maybe that's missing that you can infer that this might something in the future that we might be able to prove that this could help us with Hmm, let me see. We did talk about the immune health study already. We didn't talk much about brain as far as learning new information, like learning new information or any anything like that. So we have, I would say, maybe four or five studies. What I would love to see is more studies that are looking at how exercise together with brain health. So there's several studies looking at how astaxanthin boosts the effects of training. Um, and they're looking specifically at muscle markers. And I'm curious to know how this affects the sort of synergy with brain health. So we already know exercise supports uh, brain health and memory um, and uh, adult uh, hippocampal neurogenesis. How does astaxanthin potentiate that? Because there, we've seen in preclinical studies that it does, in fact, um, help to support and improve adult hippocampal neurogenesis in rodent models. Wow. So what is what is that? That's 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 my, exciting. If any researchers out there are listening, let's do this. Let's find out more. <laughs> yeah, that's extremely interesting because we're always trying to fight against aging. And uh, I think for a long time, we thought that our brain stopped growing. And that has been proven to not be true. And so now that we know that that's not true, how can we make uh, our brains continue to grow and be young? And I think I, 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 maybe the evidence hasn't been shown yet, but I would imagine that this would definitely help with that, especially with some of the other ways that it helps for sure. That's the hypothesis. Now yeah. we just need to test it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Well, this is great. I'm really glad that we got a chance to talk. And I just love how excited you are and the folks in your booth that I, I talked with about this product. It's just so neat. And I just think it's such a cool uh, product. And I just can't wait to, to see more adoption, uh, mainstream adoption, and just see it more in fish oils and see it more in multivitamins and see it in our collagen products. Collagen has just boomed in the last few years. It's everyone's talking about it. Everyone I know is taking a collagen supplement now. Um, 
But what else do you, is there anything else you'd like to share and where can we learn more about you and the work that you're doing? And uh, just tell us, you know, where we can find you. Yeah. So one thing that jogged my memory when you were talking about the different formulations you'd like to see astaxanthin in, one is krill oil. You know, krill does contain astaxanthin. So krill oil has the slightly reddish color. It's from astaxanthin, but there's such a small amount that you're not getting the benefits that we see in clinical studies. So that's one thing I would love to, to see more of as people recognizing astaxanthin and krill oil, but making it so that you have a dose in there that is actually going to be beneficial. So you could really leverage. And what is that dose again? Say that again, the, the amount that we would need to act for the, based on the clinical studies you've done. So the minimum would be two milligrams, but our studies go up to 12 milligrams a day. And the place where you can learn more about astaxanthin is at our website, astorilusa.com. There's a lot about the health benefits and the different applications. And then we also have an, an education website for you know consumers who want to learn more about astaxanthin at astaxanthin.net. Oh, wow. Okay, cool. I'll definitely put a link to that and your website, and I want to find some pictures of where you're growing and cultivating this from because I'm just interested in that personally. I just think it's cool. And uh, I just really appreciate you coming and, and chatting with me, and I'm excited to see what the next 5, 10 years look like here and uh, how we can catch up to the, uh, the rest of the world in this category. Well, thank you, James. It was really fun. Uh, thank you for inviting me to talk with you today. Thank you.